from the very beginning. All of creation pointed to him. Every prophet told of him. Every story spoke of him. His message is for everyone. His mission has never wavered. His vision is eternal. His passion brought him suffering and his purpose was fulfilled. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name. Amen, amen. There is no other name. Good morning, church. Good morning, and welcome to the beginning of a brand new series. We're in a new series called Jesus. It's just Jesus. It's all about him, and it's our Easter series that's leading up to that Easter celebration, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and what a joy, what an honor to be able to celebrate Jesus. So in our series, we're going to talk about his message. That's what we're going to talk about today, and then next week, we'll talk about his mission, and then his vision, and his purpose, his passion, and so we're all leading up this anticipation to celebrate Jesus, to celebrate Jesus. A couple weeks ago, a guy came in to our church, and he... um, he asked me, he said, hey, can I talk to you for a second? I said, yes. And, and he said, you know, I, I grew up in Iran. I've been in the States for about 20 years. And, and he goes, you know, I've always been very religious. He goes, but for the last 10 years, I keep having this dream. And in my dream, I see Jesus. And, and I keep wondering what the dream's about. And I'm asking people about it. And they, they just say, well, he was a prophet or he was a good man. And my family, my friends. And, 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 but nobody really wants to say more about it. But I know as I look, there's got to be more to Jesus. Can you tell me what is so different about Jesus? And I'm like, yes, here's the thing. It's not about religion. It's about a relationship. And God is drawing you to himself and God is inviting you into something deeper and God wants to change your heart and your life and and you just see him longing to know you and for this man to know God. Jesus changes everything. And Jesus' message is to come for us to have life, to have hope, and to have peace with God and peace with others and peace in our own hearts and our own lives. You know, isn't our world in need of peace? Isn't our world in need of hope? Isn't our world in need of love today? It's the same world that it was back 2,000 years ago when Jesus walked onto the scene. And Jesus came into a world that was racist. There was racism that existed. There were divisions that were there. The Romans were over the entire empire then and the Jews were suppressed by the Romans and the Jews hated the Romans and the Romans hated the Jews and the Jews hated the Samaritans and the Samaritans hated the Jews and into this world of hate, Jesus walks with a new message. A radical message. Back then, women had no rights. Back then, the elderly, you were just put out to pasture. You didn't have, if you weren't contributing, if you couldn't make your own food, people just left you alone. People would die. And Jesus came with a radical new message that you meant something, that you were important, that you were valued. It was a world back then where you people feared death. And Jesus came with a radical message of life and of hope and of peace And that's what our world needs today. And if you were to sum up his message with one word, it's this, it's love, love. And this is what separates Christianity from every other major world religion, Jesus. Not just a prophet or a good man, but Jesus who's alive today. And his message of love has changed the world and will change you. 
If you have a Bible with you this morning, I invite you up with me to Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 22, New Testament. So if you wanna turn there with me. Now, all of the Old Testament, we had just finished this great series in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy, but everything in the Old Testament is pointing to the coming Messiah. Everything is leading up to this point that Jesus steps into the world, that Jesus steps into our mess, that Jesus steps into our hurt, that Jesus steps into our pain, and Jesus brings this message, this message of life, this message of hope, this message of love. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question while you're turning there, Matthew. Here's the question. What is the overarching ambition of your life? What is the overarching ambition of your life? See, we all have one. And for some people, it's making money. Man, their ambition is to make a lot of money, right? And so it drives every decision they make. For other people, it's to be successful. For some people, it's comfort. And if that's your ambition, man, you're always thinking about, man, when's the next vacation, right? When's the next spa day? When's the next comfort? What can I do, right? Maybe it's fun. Maybe that's the overall, every decision you make, man, how can I have fun? How can I enjoy things? What can I do? Maybe it's family, maybe it's friends, I don't know, but we all have something that drives us. We all have this ambition inside of us. And not that any of those other things are bad, but Jesus comes along and he says, whoa, 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 whoa. I want you to have an overarching ambition. And I want you to live not just for yourself, I want you to live for God. I want you to live in peace. I want you to have hope. I want you to have joy. And that only comes not in religion, but in a relationship. So see here, Matthew chapter 22, look at verse 34. It says, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees. Now who are the Sadducees? Well, the Sadducees were religious leaders back then. There were kind of two groups, right? You had the Sadducees and the Pharisees. And, and so these were like the religious leaders. And, and so he silenced the Sadducees and the Pharisees got together. And one of them, an expert in the law, now, the law is the Old Testament, the first five books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. That's the law. And this guy was an expert. He was an expert. He knew it all, right? And so he tested him, Jesus, with this question. He said, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? I mean, there's 613 commandments in the law, okay? 613 commandments. And which is the greatest one? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. The Shema, Deuteronomy 6, 5 is the Shema. You know, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And, verse 39, the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So Jesus takes it all and he boils it down. And he says, hey, here, I wanna tell you, what's the overarching ambition of your life? It should be this, love God and love others. <laughs> this should be what drives you every day. This would be what should impact every decision you make. This ought to be your motivation that gets you up in the morning, gets you going, and you can say, hey, I don't care what else happens today. If today, if I love God more and I love others more, hey, I will have had a successful day. My ambition is to know God. My ambition is to grow in Him, and my ambition is to make and share the love of Christ with others. Love God, love others. Jesus said, this is where all the commandments hang on. This is the message that I came to bring. Now, when we look at this word love, a lot of times we go, well, okay, what does that mean, right? Because we throw that word around a lot, don't we? We'll say, you know, well, I love music, or I love the predators, right? Or I love my wife, you know, and you're like, okay, well, how does this all relate? You know, what, what, what is this word? What does it mean? I love Krispy Kreme donuts. 
Well, who doesn't, right? I mean, you know, they're the best. You know, there's a bunch of them with the hot signs on. Oh, yes. I mean, you know what? I love that. But, but what, what is he talking about here? What kind of love do we have for God? What kind of love do we have for others? Well, if you look at the New Testament, it was written in Greek, right? Old Testament Hebrew, New Testament Greek. And in the Greek, there's really four different words for love. See, we throw that word around right with love this, love that. But, but they distinguished four different types of love. And so if you take notes, here's one, storage, storage. C.S. Lewis has a great book on this called The Four Loves, if you want to do some deeper study on it. But storage is a natural affection, a natural affection, right? I, I, lo- I love my dog. I, I love the Predators. I love Disney. You know, it's kind of an affection. All of us have that natural affection. We just kind of go, yeah, I love football. I love, I love this. That's a natural affection. That's storage. That's that word. Eros is another word in Greek that's used for love. This is where we get that erotic, erotic kind of love. Now, that word's never used in the New Testament, okay? Right? But that, that was a word that was used in the Greek. Philo, brotherly compassion. You think about the city of Philadelphia, right? What is it called? The city of brotherly love, right? So that's where it comes from, brotherly compassion. Man, I love you, man. You know, right here, right? I love you, bro. You know, like, that's it. Our friends, those relationships, those people there. But here's the fourth one. It says agapeo or agape. Agapeo, agape love. And this is unconditional love. Unconditional, self-sacrificing kind of love. Now, when you look at this, what Greek word do you think Jesus is using here? Agapeo, right? He says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, everything in you. See, a lot of people want to date God, right? You kind of got, God, you kind of got this thing over here, you know, and I'm going to kind of live my life. And if I don't have anything to do, we can hang out. You know, I'll catch up with you Friday night if I'm bored. You know, but, but you know what? God's going, no, 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 no. I don't want to date you. I want a commitment. I want your heart. I want you to love me because I love you. I love you. With everything in me, God says, I love you. Would you respond back to me? Love the Lord your God. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. What kind of love again? Agapeo. Unconditional, self-sacrificing kind of love. See, we're we're conditional lovers, aren't we? Right? If you respond the way I want you to, I'll love you. You know, if you make me happy, I will love you. And Jesus comes along with this radical, radical message. No, 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 no. I want you to love unconditionally. I want you to love even people who aren't like you. I want you to love that way. Jesus takes it to a whole different level. Jesus takes it to a whole different level. Matthew chapter five, Jesus' message of love extends even to our enemies. Jesus said, you've heard it said, love your neighbors, you love yourself. But I want to tell you this. Not just love your neighbor, but, and hate your enemies. I want you to love your enemies. (laughs) I I want you to love your enemies. And isn't that radical in our world today? In in, in a world of divisiveness, in a world of racism, in a world where people like, man, hate and spew hate on social media, and it's like everybody's separated socioeconomically and in all kinds of different ways from political parties and different beliefs, and Jesus comes along and says, no, 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 no. I'm calling you to love. I'm calling you to love. This is radical, and it changed the world, and it still changes us today. 
It's a message of love. Now, what does that love look like? Well, Jesus didn't just leave it there. He didn't just say, hey, I want you to love. You can figure it out. You know, I know it's radical, but here, Jesus teaches us how to love. Jesus teaches us how to love. So if you're in Matthew, I want you to turn over with me to Luke, Luke chapter 10, Luke chapter 10. This is one of the most famous stories that Jesus ever told, but I want you to see the context today of what Jesus is talking about because he's teaching about love. So pick up here, Luke chapter 10, verse 25. It says, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. So similar scenario, right? Just like we saw in Matthew 22, an expert in the law comes to test Jesus. What's the greatest commandment? This expert in the law in the Old Testament tests Jesus. He says, teacher, what must I do to have eternal life? You know, I'm scared of death. I don't want to die. You know, I don't want eternal life. What must I do? Well, what's written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? And he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbors yourself. This guy's been listening to Jesus. This guy's like, I got it. I'm listening to this. And Jesus goes, good, good, good. You got it. Do this and you will live. But notice he says, but he wanted to justify himself. <laughs> He's like, I, I hear what you're saying, Jesus loves. So, so I'm good. I'm gonna keep living how I live. I'm gonna keep doing what I wanna do. I'm gonna hang out with the people. You know, it's easy to love people, love you back. Everybody does that. You know, I'm gonna just kinda, kinda stay in my box, stay in my religion, stay over here. And, and, and I wanna justify myself. And Jesus goes, no, let me teach you what love really is. <laughs> let me teach you what my message really is. So the man wanted to justify himself and he said, and who is my neighbor? And in reply, Jesus told the most famous story of all, right? He says, a, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And if you've ever been to Israel or seen this, this, this is, you know, Jerusalem is built up on a mountain and Jericho is down kind of level with a sea of Galilee, I mean, the Dead Sea. So you're talking huge elevation change coming down like 22 miles. And, and people knew the road. People had gone down the road many times. And he's going down and he fell into the hands of robbers. And this would have made perfect sense to the people because they're like, there's big boulders. Somebody jumps out from behind and he falls in the hands of robbers and they stripped him of his clothes and they beat him and they went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And the people who are listening to this are like, yay, here comes a priest, right? He's gonna rescue this guy. It's gonna be great. This guy's religious. He's gonna come down. And he happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. Like, what? Now, I don't know why, right? Jesus doesn't tell us. We don't know if he was going to a meeting down in Jericho and he was gonna be late. And he's like, I gotta get there. I'm in a hurry. Everybody's waiting on me. He, we don't know if, you know, the guy was bleeding. And if you're a priest and you touch blood, that you're gonna be unclean and declared unclean and you can't go over to the temple or synagogue. So, so we don't know, but he went around the guy. He just keeps going. He doesn't even help out at all. It says, so too a Levite. Now, a Levite was somebody who kind of worked at the temple. Uh, they were like the worship leaders. So it'd be like the worship team or somebody who worshiped children's worship or something. But this Levite comes along, and when he came to the place and he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Like, whoa, whoa, what's going on, man? These people are supposed to know, right? They're supposed to understand this. And Jesus is talking, and this guy's like, hey, wait a minute, that, that's me. I'm kind of getting this. But a Samaritan... A Samaritan. Now, I, I can't emphasize this enough, right? 
Because the Jews hated the Samaritans. So probably when they heard, but a Samaritan, they're thinking, okay, here comes the villain. I mean, this guy's gonna beat him up even more. It's gonna get bad, it's gonna get ugly. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He what? Oh yeah, yeah, he took pity on him. He went to him and he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Where did he get the oil and wine? It was his. Then he put the man on his own donkey, which means he had to walk. He took him to the inn and he, he took care of him. And the next day he took out two silver coins and he gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. I mean, there's no money to help this guy who was his enemy. Which of these, Jesus says, do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? Hey, which one? When I talk about love and say love God and love others, which one do you think really did that? And the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Notice he didn't even say Samaritan because they hated the Samaritans so much he wouldn't even say it, but he just said the one who had mercy, the one who had mercy on him. And then Jesus told him this, go and do likewise. Go and live out this message of love. So in response, Jesus tells the story of the good Samaritan. And what Jesus is saying is this to all of us, listen, love is a choice. Love is a choice. See, a lot of times we confuse because we have like love songs, right? You know, oh, I love you, I love you. You know, we have these little feelings that go, you know. But we confuse love and lust. Lust is I must have it now. Lust is what can you do for me? Love is what can I do for you? How can I serve you? Sometimes people will come in for counseling, they're struggling in their marriage, something's happening, and they'll, one of them will say, well, I just don't love her anymore. I just don't love him anymore. You know, you're like, man, you've been married, you know, seven years or 14 years. You've been married this long time. What are you, what are you saying? I just don't. You know what? I always say, I always say that. No, 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 no. Don't say that. It's like, you have to say this. I choose not to love them because love is a choice. You made a commitment. You stood there and you made a commitment. Love's not just an emotion. You know, there's sometimes you don't have those little flutter things, right? But you made a commitment of love. You choose to love. And I want to tell you this. I want to tell you this. You can act your way into feeling. A lot of times we want the feelings to be there. And then when the feelings are there, we'll about act. But when we begin to act on that, the feelings come. When you begin to love your spouse like you did when you were dating. You remember when you were dating? You brought flowers. You would be there. You would be like, oh, I love you. You'd write little notes, you know. And then that happens after a few years. You stop doing that, right? And that kind of goes out the window. You're like, I'm busy. I got stuff going on. I don't have time for this. Well, notice what happens, right? The feelings kind of move away, don't they? But you act your way back then. You choose to love. And Jesus was saying, it's not just an emotion. It's not just here today and gone tomorrow. You choose. You see somebody, you choose to have compassion. You choose to sacrifice yourself. You choose to pour into others. You choose to love. This was radical. Because there was a world of hate. But Jesus comes with a message of love. Now here we go. If you keep going in the New Testament, the, there's a biblical description of Jesus' love. 
a biblical description because God wants us to get this. God wants us to know this. This is the central message of the gospel. So look over at 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Maybe this was read at your wedding or at a wedding you've been to, but, but it just says, hey, love is, and it begins to list it out, right? Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast. It's not proud, it's not rude, it's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. And we can hear that, we can go, yeah, you're right. Love, yes. But then Jesus comes along and says, no, 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 no. You love this way. So if you go back and put your name in there, what does it sound like? Jeff is patient. Uh-oh, first one. <laughs> like, oh, you know, I'm trying. But do I love that way? Am I patient at home? Am I patient at work? Am I patient on social media? Love is patient. Love is kind. Are you kind of? Sometimes we can get so busy because we got our own agenda that we just kind of forget that anybody else exists. And especially when we're driving, right? You know, love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy. Do you envy? Do you boast? It's not proud. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking and it keeps, it's not easily angered and it keeps no record of wrongs. Man, I notice this all the time, you guys. There's, there's couples and, and they start to disagree about one thing and they start to have an argument and, and they're talking about one thing and the next thing, somebody in their relationship goes, well, you remember what you did five years ago? I'm like, what? We're talking about taking out the trash. You know, what, what are you bringing up five years ago? I mean, what, what are you doing? No, I've been keeping a record of wrongs. I got this whole thing of wrongs, man. I'm just holding it there. <laughs> He's like, no, 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 no. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil. Sometimes we can delight in evil, can't we? When somebody fails, somebody makes a mistake, we see it on social media or something, we're just like, oh yeah, look at that. And instead of going, oh man, having that pity, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Do you always protect do you always trust, always hope, always persevere? And love never fails. God's love never fails. You know, a lot of people come and they just say, man, I just wanna, I wanna get deeper, I wanna be deeper, and I wanna tell you, it's so important to have knowledge and grow in God's word, but if you really wanna go deeper in the message of Christ, go deeper in love. <laughs> Go deeper in missions, go deeper in service, go deeper in your family, go deeper in love for those around you. So I just have to ask us, man, is this how you love? Is this how I love? Because this message of love will change the world. It, it did, right? The Roman Empire and the suppression uh, over all the Jews and everybody, but what radically changed was love. And love entered in, and people didn't know what to do with that. And Jesus comes along, and Jesus says, women matter, right? Slaves matter. Elderly matter. All people matter to God. And God loves you. God loves you. Here's the thing. Jesus not only taught it, Jesus lived it because Jesus is love. Jesus is love. Look what it says in 1 John 
1 John chapter 4, in verse 7, it says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God. Why? Because God is love. It's who he is. It's his character. It's his nature. And as you and I grow deeper in our love for God, as you and I grow deeper in the word, we ought to be portraying love. It's who Jesus is. See, if Jesus wasn't loving, there would be no love in the universe. And a lot of people ask this question. They'll say this, why do bad things happen to good people? You ever heard that question? Maybe you've asked that question before. But, but here's the thing, here's the problem with that question. It's this, there are no good people. <laughs> right, we've all fallen, we've all made mistakes, we've all sinned, we've all messed up. We live in a broken world. I think the bigger question is this, why is there good in the world? Why do good things happen? Why is there love? Why is there grace? Why is there mercy? It's because God is love. And when man sinned and man broke that relationship with God, God didn't give up on man and God doesn't give up on you. And there's love in this world because of the grace of God. It's the grace of God. Here's the thing. We love because Jesus first loved us. I want you to hear that today. We love because Jesus first loved us. And maybe you feel unlovable. And maybe you just feel like, man, I've just made so many mistakes. I want you to hear today, no, 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 listen. You are loved. You are loved. The Bible says you are the apple of his eye. You're the joy of his heart. He loves you. I think the problem today is not that we don't love God enough but that we don't understand how much God really loves us. How much God really loves us. If you and I could get a grasp of that and just go, wow, the God of the universe loves me that much. God is with me, God is for me. How much confidence that brings. I just returned yesterday from being in the Amazon. Um, We do a pastor's conference in the Amazon. And so uh, with our church, we, we took about 10 from our church. We fly down uh, to Manaus and we've been doing this for about seven years through Justice and Mercy International. And so JMI, and you see the booth every time you come by, a lot of you are sponsoring orphans in Moldova or helping out, but, but we have this pastor's conference. And so we had 130 pastors who came from all over the Amazon. I mean, some of these pastors and their wives, I mean, they went days by canoe to get there. I mean, like Legit. I mean, like they're coming in. We had Mission Aviation fly some from the furthest regions of the Amazon, like, you know, all the way to come and be at this conference. And so we're there, and, and you guys, you would love it. I mean, it's beautiful people. I mean, just so kind and, and just so excited to be there. And, and their stories are incredible. And this one pastor and his wife, they were telling us, they go, you know, God is so faithful. Even in the hard times, we just know God loves us, God is with us. And, and I'm like, well, tell me about that. And they said, yeah, our church, it's growing and, and we're, we minister in this village and there's probably 5,000 people in this village, but many people are coming to know Christ and, and we just are so excited about it. And I said, well, what are some of the challenges that you face? And, and the wife said, well, you know, during the flood season, it gets kind of hard because, you know, when the water comes up, we can't fish as much and, and it takes out the agriculture around us. And so it, it gets challenging, but, but God is faithful and God loves us and God takes care of us. And, and I said, really, tell me about that. And, and they said, well, last year we, we went to church and, and we hadn't, our kids, we hadn't eaten for four days. And 
We just didn't have a whole lot because it was the flood season. And, and my husband's like, we've got to be at church. We've got to be at church. And I was like, really? Should we go? Because, you know, we haven't eaten. So don't we need to figure out food? And he kept saying, God's going to provide. God loves us. God's with us. And, and so we get in the canoe and we go to church. And, and then after church, somebody said that there was somebody who was sick and we needed to go visit them. So we, we went to visit them. And I'm thinking, oh, we're so hungry. What's going to happen? And the pastor's like, hey, God's going to provide. God's going to provide. And then the wife is telling us, she's so smiling. And she's like, and we left and we're in the canoe and we're going down the river. And all of a sudden, a fish jumps out of the river into our boat, like into the canoe. And, and we're talking big fish, like, you know, four feet long, like tall fish into our boat. We're like wrangling this fish. And she goes, God just provide. We went home. We ate on it for an entire week, our kids. And then the water subsided and God just takes care of us. I'm like, a fish, what? You know, it's like, yeah, I like jumped out. And I was like, what kind of fish is it? You know, and they were telling us that it's not just like a normal, you know, piranha kind of fish. This is like a delicacy. This is like you go to a restaurant in Rio or San Paulo and they have this kind of fish and they're just smiling like, God is good. God is good. I was just thinking, man, do we ever do that? You know, I mean, we don't ever have a fish jump into our car or something like that. But do we ever just walk to the refrigerator and open it up and go, God, thank you. God, I don't even know how I get all the money and all the stuff that's in here. God, open his pantry and just thank you. God, there's restaurants everywhere. God, just thank you. God, you just always provide. God, you just always take care of me. I haven't gone four days without eating, but God, you have always sustained me. God is with you. God is for you. God loves you. And for all of us just to know that today, that was the central message of Christ. Where are you today? Do you know that kind of love? Do you have that kind of confidence that God is with you, that God is for you? There was a pastor and his wife that were there, Pastor Daniel, and they came to the conference last year and, and Daniel was nervous because he said, I can't read. And his wife was like, you know what? He's memorized so much scripture when he preaches. He just preaches scripture, you know, but he's embarrassed because he can't read. And one of the people in our church, our church, he gave him an iPad, <laughs> And he's kind of in a bigger city there, the Amazon. And, and, and so he came to the conference this year and he comes with a smile on his face. He said, I, I learned to read. I, I took that iPad, I learned to read. And he goes, you wouldn't believe what God's been doing. And he was so excited. And he said, there's like 120 people who've been coming to church and lives are being changed. He's just like, yes. And I'm like, man, I love this. For you and I to understand God's grace, for you and I to understand that God loves us, that God is with us, that God is for us, that he won't leave us. And because of that, we can minister. Because of that, when we see needs, we can serve. When we see people are in trouble, we can help. We have a scarcity mentality. We think if I give, if I help somebody, then I'm gonna lose something from here. But when we realize how much God loves us and God's providing for us, we're simply a conduit of God's grace. We're simply a conduit of God's love. And I can see somebody on the road and I can help them because God has helped me. And it's out of the mercy and the grace that I've received that I can love, that I can love. You know, February 21st, um, just a few days ago, um, Billy Graham went home to be with the Lord. And I gotta tell you, Billy Graham's well, probably like many of you, my hero, you know, and the faith. Somebody said that there hasn't been anybody who's done more for Christianity since the Apostle Paul. <laughs> and Billy Graham, uh, I remember coming to the crusade that was here in Nashville. I remember being there and just thinking, wow, how incredible to see God moving and God working. In 2005, Billy Graham preached his 
last crusade. It was in Flushing Meadows, New York. Uh, It was estimated in 2005 by a Gallup poll that one in six Americans had heard Billy Graham preach live. And Billy Graham, they asked him, they said, are you afraid to die? And he said, no, I'm not afraid of death. Are you kidding me? I know that I'm gonna stand and see God face to face. God is with me. And he lived it. He just lived it all of his days for 99 years. And I hope my prayer for all of us that we live knowing that God loves us. We live in that confidence. A publisher took those last messages that Billy Graham preached at that crusade and put it into a book. And they asked Billy Graham to write the last page just as a final word. And here's what Billy Graham wrote. He says, no matter what your problem is, if you and I could sit down and talk, I would tell you one great truth. God loves you. And he can make a difference in your life if you will let him. God loves you so much that he sent his son into this world to die for your sins. And when we open our hearts to Christ, he forgives our sins and comes to live within us by his Holy Spirit. He also gives us strength for the present and hope for the future. This is the message of the gospel, the good news. This is the message, and is the message that you have heard me preach over and over again. God loves you. Do you know that today? Because when you and I know that, it will change everything in us. Jesus has come, not for religion. I'm glad you're here today. It's not just being at church and getting a check mark. Jesus has come for a relationship. He's come so that you know his love and you live in that love. You love God and you love others. I wanna ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. I don't know where you are today, but I know this. God's here. God is here. And I want you right now just to rest in that love that he has for you. You know, there's nothing you can do to make God love you anymore. And there's nothing you can do to make God love you any less. God loves you. God loves you. Maybe right where you sit, it's a a day of salvation for you. You just realize, hey, I'm never gonna be good enough. I, I make mistakes, I mess up, but I don't have to be good enough. Jesus has paid the price for me. Jesus, would you come in and forgive me? Would you cleanse me? Would you make me new? Would you make me whole? Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. And maybe you're here today and, and if you're honest, man, you, just, you really don't believe it. You haven't lived it. You've been scared or afraid or doubt and discouragement have entered in and today you just need to go, God, you're with me. God, you're for me. God, you love me and you love me so much that you sent your son. Thank you. Thank you for providing eternal life. Thank you for providing food. Thank you for providing everything I have. Thank you. Maybe you're here today and you just say, God, I wanna love those around me better. (laughs) I'm I'm selfish. But God, I wanna love my, my spouse. I wanna love my children. I love the people at work. God, I just want to be a person of love. And Jesus, would you love through me? So Father God, here we are, your disciples. We want to know you, want to follow you. Father, teach us to love. 
Teach us to love you and to love others radically because our world needs it. Our families need it. Our hearts need it. So Lord, come right now. I pray that you would draw us to yourself. I pray for salvation to come. I pray for healing and for redemption in marriages and families. I pray that you would change hearts and lives because of your love. So God, we commit our lives to you today and we thank you for your love. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen.